Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's the Mitchin Podcast. Hey, what's up? Hello, and welcome to The Mitchin. We are a weekly food podcast hosted by two gentlemen. One of their names <laughs> is Mitchell Orr. We moved ourselves up in the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no longer are we boys. We are now gentlemen. Uh, my name's Andrew Levins. Every week we talk about food on this podcast. We have a special guest joining us this week. Uh, returning to the show for the first time in a long time is Lauren Eldridge. Hello, everyone. Uh, last time you were on the show, uh, Mark was still a restaurant. Yes. Um, and you were the pastry chef at Mark. Correct. Um, since then, you have uh, done a, a stint in uh, in Dead Pay Modern. Um, you've been all over the world. I have, yeah. I, or, or potentially one place that I know you've been to. So uh, about that. Throughout Europe, but I was mostly in Italy. Okay. Um, at Osteria Francescana. And then I came back mm. and um, was at Pay Modern for about six months. And uh, I just uh, uh, last week asked you uh, if you would be free to come on the show and then find out that you're going to move to Melbourne. I am. I'm moving to Melbourne tomorrow. So lucky, lucky we got in just, just in time. Yeah. Um, it's a fucking chef exodus, Mitch. <laughs> Get out. Can, Keep yeah, going. Keep it going. I was wondering if that was going to cover up as a topic. I felt like every time I opened the new paper, there was just like chef moving. I'm like, oh. I feel like I don't know if it's well, let's a be honest, thing or Melbourne if it's needs just the help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we could we could do with a bit bit less uh, competition. Maybe we should do an article: ten Sydney chefs who should move to Melbourne. <laughs> 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 that, 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 that would do numbers. That would be pretty funny. Yeah, get, hit me yeah. up, good food. I'll, I'll write it for you. It's really controversial. <laughs> um, but Lauren, what are you what are you moving to Melbourne to do? So I will still be a pastry chef down in Melbourne. So I'll be working for uh, Stokehouse and the Associated Restaurants. So they have uh, four restaurants in Melbourne and one in Brisbane, Stokehouse Q. So I'll be the group head pastry chef primarily at Stokehouse though. Unreal. Awesome. So yeah, yeah like a bunch of different restaurants. Yeah, several different restaurants and um, menu development and um, sort of overseeing all the pastry teams and training and things like that. And yeah, it's slightly bigger role than my last one. I was, I mean, Mark was just me in a little room. So this is a bit of a step up. Thought it was worth moving to Melbourne for, even though I'm a bit of a Sydney girl. Uh, um, were, there, were there styles of, of, of cooking that you weren't able to do in Mark because it didn't really suit the, 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 the restaurant that you're going to be able to do now? Or? Um, I think, yeah, given that they have multiple venues, there's room for more casual styles of food as well. Um, I think it's it's sort of going to be the challenge to find the balance between what I, what I normally do and what I had done at Mark and what works for the customers down at Stokehouse. I think they're slightly more classic than Mark, but I feel like that's the case with most restaurants. Um, I found that up in Sydney there wasn't anywhere that I felt I could do the food that I wanted to do or even I, even that maybe the customers up here didn't really want that style of food anymore, which, you know, they don't have to. I think it's just changed. Um, so hopefully I can find something down in Melbourne that works. Yeah, sweet. Looking forward to uh, seeing what, what you do yeah, there. Thanks. And thanks for spending your last day in Sydney with us. <laughs> <laughs> the bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take everyone Take off. It off. <laughs> um, so today on the show, we're going to be talking about burgers. We're going to be talking about fake allergies. And uh, if you listened to our show last week, you will remember that we uh, discussed an article that Lauren wrote for Good Food uh, about women in the uh, hospitality industry. Um, and uh, we can discuss that at length yeah. a bit later in the show. But first, I want to ask you guys, what have you eaten lately? Anything good? No. No? What? So, so have you eaten anything bad? Yeah, I ate Macca's twice on the weekend. <laughs> I, I just had avocado toast, but that's pretty sad. At Macca's? Not at Macca's, at Devon Cafe, so that was good. 
Um, I've been living at home since I'm moving tomorrow, so moved out of Surrey Hills. So I've just been eating a lot of home cooked food, which is a really nice change, actually. You're not uh, venturing out into the, uh, the the culinary incredible v- place that is Wesley. The Wesley and Thornley, <laughs> not quite. I did, actually, I did go to an Afghani restaurant in um, Thornley. Is that the one, the, on, the one on um, Pennant Hills Road? It is. And it's like it's called like Zach's. Zach's Great Food. I've um, yeah. I've been going there since Strong I was, name. since I was about ten. And his kids went to my high school and all that sort of stuff. So, move back, sort of. But that it's it's hilarious because it's like Afghan food and then steaks. Yeah, and, and yeah. So and when it. when I went for like the first ten years of my life, when I used to go all every single time, I'd only order chicken schnitzel. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I try to be a bit more adventurous. This the time. Afghan classic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've never. I, 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 I my parents live in Hornsby, right. Warunga, um, and uh, I drive Pennant Hills Road. All the time, um, and I always see like and he has his, like the, the the sign is a picture of his head, <laughs> like Zach's great food, yeah, so like a silhouette. So it is yeah. actually decent. Yeah, the the food's really. I mean, I don't know many Afghani restaurants, especially not out that way. So mm. yeah, totally. It's, um, it was quite full what on a Thursday night. Big old skewers and that kind of thing. Yeah, or? the big skewers and um, flatbread and stuff. All the different yeah flatbreads and dips and a lot of traditional dishes so they do just have like a small bit now it used to be mostly steaks and stuff like that but they're sort of aiming towards more afghani food which i think oh, is that's good. Awesome. Oh, cool. yeah shout to zach's yeah um we mitch and i were in the snow over the weekend um i had a gig uh we're halfway crooks on saturday night at threadbow um so mitch came along with us and did uh hit the slopes mm-hmm. uh, over the weekend um and uh th- you know it's a five and a half hour drive uh, to Threadbow Depends who's driving <laughs> <laughs> Let it be known that I am the uh, the faster of uh, Crooks drivers <laughs> Still very safe No speeding tickets for me um, But um, I just want to give a quick shout out to On the way like, on the way there we, we, Like you know The inevitability of like You're either going to go Maccas or pies That's yeah, like the great road trip choices. question um, And we went pie on the way up Really mm-hmm. decent Shepherd's pie That good mash Bit of cheese on top Chunky steak Some peas in there I was vibing, but I couldn't. You can't eat two fucking pies in one weekend. No, that's insanity. For some reason, mm-hmm. you can eat macas twice in a weekend, though. Yeah, I think it was more just the timing of when we went de- when Franco and I went down and came back. It sort of didn't line up with anything else, so it was a matter of fuck. I need to eat something now, and this is basically all I, the only option. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be you go on a road trip, and every half hour there'd be something. Yeah. And now because it's like just all highway, like unless you pull off and take half an hour out of you know, add half an hour into your trip. Yep. Like it's literally only Maccas that's and there's only like three on the whole trip down. So if you like on the way down we sort of missed the last one in Canberra, in Queenbian or whatever, and the next one was until Kuma. Yeah. Yeah, because we're like, oh, we're not quite hungry yet. And then by the time we got to come, like, fuck, I'm so hungry. It was like, like 9.45 and it was, or Yeah, it yeah. was like 10 p.m. So KFC had shut already. So I had to <laughs> So, yeah. I drove down to Melbourne oh, in the last few weeks looking for apartments and things. And we had to do Maccas twice because the only thing on the way down, unless you stop in those like truck stops that actually don't have food, it's just like mm. a seedy toilet on the side of the road. You've just got those massive service centers. So it's just yeah. fast food or... Yeah, chips, the basically. ones on like if you ever do like um, uh, the kind of long drives through through America, that their stuff, their turnpike stops are crazy because yeah. there'll be like six different fast food chains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you can check out and um, diners and shit. like yeah, that. Totally. Yeah, totally. Um, but uh, I want to give a shout out to um, a spot on the way there. We're driving through Breadbow, which is why is there a place called Breadbow? I thought I you know. kind of made that up. Yeah, it's yeah, actually, no. <laughs> it's, <laughs> we're, we're it's pretty low. It's like four houses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like uh, it, it's a, it's a full on town, Breadbow. Um, and uh, yeah, we were making jokes that it was like named by a blood, like it's YG's favorite <laughs> favorite rural New South Wales town, <laughs> Breadburg. Um, uh, and then uh, anyway, so the, I, I drove through there on the way on the way there, and I noticed like this kind of just this big uh, sign that said "Good Food" and um, smoked pork and pumpkin soup. And I was like, "Well, it was rad." And then it was just like this little food truck. And we'd already eaten pies on the way there, so I was like, "Okay, we're coming back tomorrow. Hopefully, they're open on Sundays." And sure enough, as we came through Breadburg. Uh, 
the In- Ingalara Farm Truck is what they're called. And you can follow them on Instagram, which is Ingalara Farm Truck, one word. Already followed by previous guest of the Mitch and Toby Wilson. So the guy knows, oh. guy knows his shit. Um, and it was uh, just two guys in this little truck. They had a little smoker out the front that they kind of propped their signs up. And uh, yeah, they, they, they smoke at night. So they, they had pork on the day before. They had chickens on when we went there. Um, and you get like a little tub with like some pieces of smoked chicken, some slaw and a piece of sourdough that they make themselves. And then they have pumpkin soup and all that kind of gear. And like, I don't know, for, for like the middle of nowhere road trip food, yeah. like having raw vegetables was so good. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. epic. Yeah, yeah it's pretty good. And then slaw, yeah. yeah. And it was, de- it was decent food. It was better than most barbecue you eat in Sydney, to be honest. So uh, yeah, I highly recommend if you have a driver to the snow, make sure you stop at the Ingalara farm truck. Good stuff. Um, Mitch, speaking of burgers, mm. um, which, what, what did you order at Macca's, by the way? Uh, I had a cheeseburger on the way down, a nuggets and a Big Mac on the way back. Burgered it up. Mm. Um, Terry Durack in the good food in good food this week. He said that enough is enough. We have reached peak burger. Thanks, Terry. Um, basically, this is a uh, a comment section he wrote about um, Sydney being in the middle of a burger epidemic, a plague of sesame seed buns, a pandemic of beef patties, a pestilence of pickles. Um, Great alliteration there. Once upon Terry. a time, a burger was a treat. My mates and I used to drive through five suburbs late on a Friday night just to get a burger. Um, so he, he talks about burger places that opened in nineteen in the nineteen thirties. I don't don't think Terry is that old. <laughs> I think he wishes he was sometimes. <laughs> um, but I was hoping this is going to be a um, a comment on how stupid burgers are getting in mm. Sydney because that's something that we've been kind of uh, you know posting about on the Mitchin Facebook page. You can find it facebook.com slash the Mitchin. Um, but uh, instead, it's just kind of like oh, there's too many burger restaurants, and like. Kind of, but not really. Like, there always are heaps of burger restaurants. It just now means that we've got better chefs making better burgers. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I I mean, there does seem to be a lot everywhere, but I feel like it was bigger six months, 12 months ago, and maybe that's because that's when they were all opening, or I used to see a lot more posted on Facebook about them and, like, people lining up for special burgers, yeah, which I find definitely particularly been a- bizarre. It's definitely been a quick rise mm. from, you know, from Hongi's Burger at Lotus and yeah. Mary's opening to now people, it's kind of that, that trend thing that happens, you know, someone opens something that's really successful. So people go, oh, fuck, we can do that too. Mm. And they jump on it. But, you know, Cher Burger was around for a while yeah, and, you know, like, but now it's literally everyone who wants to get into the food industry opens it. A burger place. Or a burger truck. Or, or a burger yeah. truck. Or, or, and some of them are great. And there's yeah. like a good spread of where they are and that kind of thing. But there's also uh, a lot that's not to be celebrated. It's almost like they have their main restaurant and then they open the burgers on the side because they're like, yes, money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that is yeah. still the case when there's such an influx of burger places opening, but. Yeah, look, I think I think I'll, like the article is you know it's fine, just like it's a little rant, but I think uh, he should have pointed out that some of them are, are good. Yeah, exactly. And don't like because yeah. you know in, in saying he basically says just say no, don't eat don't eat your burger burgers. He says eat one one a week or one a month or one a year. He's calling it the burger off. Don't think that's going to catch on. I, I checked. I, bur- hope it bur- catch I on. checked burger off uh, the hashtag on to see if it was trending online, and in fact, it's just people having a burger off. So, if yeah. anything, that, bur- that that hashtag is is encouraging more burgers. <laughs> um, but uh, it does tie into something that I have noticed as an ongoing problem mm-hmm. in Sydney, and I got into a little bit of trouble uh, <laughs> on our Facebook page uh, this week when I posted uh, about a new segment called the fucking dumbest fuck burger of 2017. I can't see why you would get in trouble for that. Um, so, Freak Burgers is the big trend. Are these like Freak Milkshakes? Because I definitely have an issue with them. Yeah. So, if we're along yeah. the same path, and Basi- I feel basically. like I won't like them. Yeah. So, essentially, it is like imagine a burger. And often, it's places that already do a perfectly good burger. A good yeah. cheeseburger or whatever. And like, you know, in order to get crazy hits on Facebook and Instagram. And I, I, I imagine it does bring in a few extra customers as well. Mm. They do these big, enormous, ridiculous burgers that have like a, like, you know, I, like, you know, have like stacks of so many different toppings and mismatched cuisines. Um, I, I put up one a few weeks ago on a page that was, uh, and I always show up in like sponsored links on Facebook. Yeah. So they know I like burgers every now and then. Um, but uh, it'll be like one that is covered in like spaghetti. So, yeah, so it'll be Sorry, like... No one can see my... Well, maybe you can see my face, but 
that sounds horrible. Like, yeah, it, yeah. Wh- why? It looks, it looks horrible. It looks too. horrible. It, lo- it looks like vomit on a burger. Like, like it's like someone threw up the spaghetti that they ate so they could then <laughs> eat the burger. Mm. <laughs> um, and uh, this week I shot it out at a place that I actually like, um, Down and Out. Um, it's uh, up the road from where I used to be at the dip. They're in um, uh, the Sir John Young, that pub on the corner of Liverpool and, uh, and ah, George. Right. Yep. Um, and uh, they do a really decent cheeseburger. They, they, they opened up with like very cheeky in and out referencing um, decor when they opened up and then they've kind of become their own, a bit more of their own yeah. entity thing. But they put out one uh, for called The Fat Boy and this one is a southern fried pepper steak, which already, that is an extremely intense flavor combination like a pepper steak with uh with which has been deep fried sounds yeah um like so if you see so it's, oh. a, so it's, a, it's an enormous deep fried steak covered in bacon and mushroom ragu how do you eat ragu on a burger um you just dump it on top of on, on top of the fried steak um there's a four there's parmesan aioli that's one cheese then there's a four cheese blend so that means five cheeses in total caramelized onion and on top skewered is a lemon wedge. Is that a lemon? What are you... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Quite clearly, you need a bit of acid to cut yeah, through and lift all that, cut through those other flavours. Ragu and fried pepper steak. So that, that, horrible. that spaghetti burger that I was talking about um, came with a topper. They always come with a topper. They're big skewered through the top and you put a topper. It had a wonton topper. <laughs> so it was like a cheeseburger with spaghetti, 100 cheeses, and then a fucking wonton on top. Is, I mean, I'm assuming they make these for... Instagram, like oh, that—that's basically it. So that they they get this Instagram following, and then people find out about their restaurant, or they get one of those little videos on the insider or whatever, and then people well, start coming in. But is that mm. the main reason that they're making food now? Is no, so- I, I look down and out. Did the the at the height of Pokemon Go's popularity, the app they did three Pokemon burgers, and I actually was like, I give them merit for actually restraining themselves. Like they they coloured the buns so there was a yellow one for Pikachu, one for <laughs> Bulbasaur, one for Charizard. And then the Charizard one was spicy. The mm-hmm. um, leafy Pokemon had more vegetables on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was like, that's fine. You know, it, they weren't it, too ridiculous. I don't know if that's considered restraining themselves. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, they're not dumping Res- a, a pile Restraining of, themselves of, would not be doing Pokemon Not be doing burgers. Pokemon burgers, yeah. <laughs> but like that was, you know, from a business point of view, that's clever marketing yes, that capitalized yes, yes, on, yes, on yes, something yes. that was big at the time. And like... Adding to like the Pokemon nature, you don't know what you're going to get when you get a new Pokemon or whatever. So y- you ordered a Pokemon burger, not knowing if it would be Pikachu, Charizard, or Bul- oh. Bulbasaur. I think was the other one. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is like I don't know. This is a perfect example of uh, these burgers that are just unnecessarily big and covered in toppings. Like I said in the post, like you know, important factors for looking for fuck burgers. We're calling them fuck right, burgers. Right. Okay. Like, don't censor yourself and call them freak burgers. Yeah. These are the fuck boys of burgers. These are the kind of burgers <laughs> that line up for, you know, six hours to get a supreme napkin. Um, these are fuck burgers. And so, important factors when looking for fuck burgers are mismatched cuisines, unappealing garnishes, and more than one cheese. I'm sure there are many other factors. And uh, I posted this on Facebook, and there's a plethora of uh, Any, fun. Anytime you can't put your mouth around it. Yeah, that's a massive, that's a, that's really really true. straight up. It's yeah. like why? What's the point? You yeah. sort of as soon as you like take a bite of a burger, you then cannot remove your hands. That's like the burger eating rule: two hands as soon as you start. Yeah, and I feel like you can't even take a bite of that. Like you know, what, actually, from a size point of view, down and out, nowhere near as ridiculous as some right. of the other ones that get posted in this one. Like one of them is like uh, instead of bu- uh, burger buns, they use uh, bake cheese and bacon rolls. Yeah. <laughs> and like so, basically every week now we're going to do fuck burger of the week. <laughs> On the mission, <laughs> and at the end of the year, we're going to try and pick the fuck burger of the year. So, if you would like to nominate a is fuck this, burger that you see in the wild, is this encouraging them though? I don't know because we're saying it's dumb. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I got the guys from Down and Out who I'm friends with on Facebook. Were like, what the fuck? Why are you <laughs> the fuck burger out? And I was like, look, it is in jest. You can't deny that this is a stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> stupid. And he don't swears, do, he swears it's delicious. So look, it could not. well be delicious. It's I definitely just, fucking not. I, don't do something dumb and then get upset when you get caught out for doing something fucking stupid. Do, like, He's not the only one though, and there are no, countless other far stupider restaurants, which I'm going to call out every week from <laughs> from now on. When they're creating these, right, and they're like. Let's do a pepper steak burger. And they're like, you know what will make these better? Frying it. At what point do they go, you know what else will make these better? Like five cheeses. Five cheeses and a, and, and and also, a ragu. Uh, like, uh, yeah. Or are they just like, 
let's put something. I like I feel like order, they're going. Let's yeah. put something I made stupid a, on I it. I made a ragu and I forgot to order pasta. What can we do with yeah. this ragu? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! I've got an extra box of mushrooms in the fridge. So let's put them on a yeah. burger. Yeah. yeah. But like, I mean, look, burgers are already the unhealthy option. Even if you were just getting. You know, even if you're fucking getting grilled and you're convincing yourself, oh, this is a healthy burger. Don't like, get grilled. I never get grilled. Grilled's, grilled's, grilled's actually, even get, worse. Get a fucked burger <laughs> before you get grilled. But what I'm saying is that, like, you know, Sydney and the people that love burgers don't need more encouragement to eat incredibly unhealthy shit. No, let's just eat. Why is the focus not quality yeah. and consistency? Why is the focus as sh- be as stupid as we can be. But maybe this ties into Terry's article. There are too many burger restaurants yeah, now and you need to do themselves. dumb things yeah, to stand yeah, yeah. out. Yeah, and I think that's what it is. I think it's competition. And once one person does something fucking stupid and gets a big response for it, then that pushes everyone else to do something stupid to, to pull the response back to their restaurant. You know what I mean? But yeah, so look, look, like, no one wants to fucking eat that. And well, then there are people I mean, like posting drooling emojis and like, you know. And, yeah, and, and but are those people actually going and fucking eating it? Look, so, so I was told. The, yeah, I mean, how much how is, many pe- is how- the restaurant going, yes, I think this is delicious, I really want to make it, and how mm. much is it them responding to customers' reactions of that one stupid video they've seen from some American burger yeah. place and now it's just I mean, like filtered down and it'd to it'd be here. interesting to see what after... Okay, people might be drooling on that post before they go and eat it, but are people posting them eating it and going, oh, it's so good, I'm coming back again for it? I, I, you know what I, mean? I feel like people would be doing that even if they didn't necessarily like, like it, it because yeah. I feel like they're but not they're they not eating it. it. Yeah. They're, it's, like, it's like that Instagram thing where like... It's a free you know, shake it, thing. Yeah, you know, this it, big it enormous colourful thing that took no skill you know, to put together. It doesn't look great. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't look great. Yeah, look, but, uh, look, by all means, go to Down and Out, eat one of their cheeseburgers. Their cheeseburgers are some of the best you'll get in Sydney, um, and and they're, it's a it's a good place to have a uh, a beer on tap and a burger, which is a rarity in Sydney at the mm. moment. So um, yeah, just I don't know, like fuck burgers, they're stupid. Don't make them. <laughs> don't eat them. That that's my amendment to Terry's article. <laughs> That's what Terry's article should have been yeah. about fuck burgers. That's Two also, sentences. Yeah. So please send in your uh, your fuck burgers of the week. We have reached peak fuck burger. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can email us themitchin at gmail dot com or uh, sorry themitchinpodcast at gmail dot com or facebook.com slash themitchin. Uh, hit him, t- tag us, put him in the comments. Um, I want to read one out yeah. and show one every week. Uh, so let's move on to less fuck burgery things. Um, oh, this is still fuck burglary in a way. Um, our good friend Patrick Friesen today, oh yeah, sorry, this weekend um, managed to uh, inspire a good article in the daily in the in the Telegraph of all places. <laughs> um, the headline is allergic allergic in uh, little commas diners driving chefs crazy with picky demands. And this is definitely something that we've talked about in the past, but it was cool to see an entire article dedicated just outlining a problem that's facing restaurateurs at the moment. Um, and just driving kitchens fucking crazy. Uh, basically, it's diners going in and saying that they're allergic to, to you know, things that are, people are allergic to, like gluten or, or peanuts. And then um, once they, you know, find out how those ingredients are used in the menu, they're like, oh, wait, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not that allergic to them. Um, and it gets, you know, it, obviously it gets a lot more complicated than that. And they're, they're amazing you know, if you follow either Pat or, or, or Dan Hong, it seems that Maryvale venues seem to attract these kind of people more than any other venues in Sydney <laughs> for some reason. You'll, they'll always put up um, receipts with just tons of amendments for allergies, gluten, shellfish, um, you know, onions. People, can you be allergic to onions? Yeah, you can you have can. an allium, yeah, a an allium a allergy. Group. Um, but, you know, this isn't a, an article about the fact that food allergies exist. It just It's about people that... That piss. Well, they, they, it's not that they're allergic; it's that they don't like or they don't know that they like certain ingredients, and so they say they're allergic to them. And then, upon finding out how small it's been incorporated into the food, yeah. they are like, "Oh, I'm not that allergic to it. It's fine." Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I haven't been working for a while, but it was definitely an issue at Mark, and we only had one menu, and it was you when you take the booking and most restaurants do this, they ask if there's any requirements. And then when you sit down, you're asked again, if there are any requirements and it's like, they either come up with a whole list of things. And normally if they have a really serious allergy, they're aware that like the restaurants need to know. Yeah. Um, and they will email you at, at the beginning or they make it quite clear, but then you've got people who like, 
the dish is put down in front of them and they're like, oh, I'm oh. allergic to that. Yeah. And then you have to change the whole rest of the menu or it's just I don't think they realize the flow and effect it has for everybody else that's either dining that night or for the kitchen or just for people with actual allergies. Like they just think, oh, I don't want to eat that. The rule should be if you have an allergy, real or fake, call up the day before. Just give, yeah, give notice. When, when give you warning. make a booking, say, hey, I have these requirements and then cool. And then come in and then remind your waiter at the start of the meal, not halfway through or <laughs> after you've eaten half a dish and go, oh, actually, <laughs> you know, like restaurants, we're in a hospitality business, right? We're here to make your experience as pleasurable as possible. And if you give a restaurant notice and, you know, most restaurants now are so over having to fucking chop and change to people's whims in the middle of service that we try and make our menus as tolerable to as many dietaries as possible from the start. So we have to do less work in the heat of service when it can throw everybody's night out from the customers to the kitchen to the wait staff. You know, it has a wide-ranging effect. When what, you are, just what, are, what are some ingredients that you use less in, with that well, thinking? We now use gluten-free soy or tamari instead of soy. We'll use gluten-free fish sauces and oyster sauces. We, we don't put, you know, we make everything so we can not have the dairy component to it. We make everything, you know, we make 80, 80 to 90% of our dishes so we can take a seafood component or a meat component out to make it vegetarian or vegan. You know what I mean? Or we have a balance across the menu. So if someone does come in, we can take different things from each dish and create new dishes to cover dietaries. But when you come in and you say, "Uh, can you not cook anything with butter? I'm, you know, and then you eat ice cream at the end of the meal. (laughs) It's shit like that. You know what I mean? Gluten free who eat the bread. Yeah. Like, like if, if you're a celiac, we take it really seriously. We have gluten-free pasta. We'll cook it in different water. And, you know, you can generally tell when someone is celiac and when someone just decides that they don't want to eat gluten. And For starters, if you just don't want to eat gluten, why are you coming to a pasta restaurant? <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing I never understood. They come in and they're like, oh, I don't eat this, 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 this or this. I'm like, then what? Like, why, why did you come here? It, that's the bit I don't understand. I, I understand that. People want a nice experience, but there are restaurants that specifically cater to, like, vegans or um, gluten-free or dairy-free, and there's so many options that to go to a restaurant that you know specifically doesn't do that. I just think it's... Yeah, it's, yeah when you go to a restaurant that's a set menu and then don't give notice. Yeah. But, you know, like, we'll go out of our way to make your meal great. Like, I've got a lot of vegan friends now. I have some celiac friends... So I understand and I, I know and we're conscious of it and we'll work to make that meal still as memorable as it can be and still an Acme experience. But just give notice and don't take the piss and think about the people who actually have those problems because like it said in that article, when so many people take the piss, it, it, numbs, it numbs the industry to people with actually serious issues. So chances are people get lax and go oh it's probably just another idiot pretending who's going to eat the bread and so we'll put some soy in it or whatever it might be and that actually can affect people with real allergies and it's a huge problem you know just don't be a fuckwit don't come and halfway through your meal decide oh i can't eat that i just developed an egg allergy yeah Yeah. oh you know i don't feel like eating this tonight my uh my brother's girlfriend is allergic to chocolate the the cocoa mass part so she can eat white chocolate because it doesn't have any of the dark parts so it's quite a specific allergy but she went to they went to a restaurant recently and quite a you know well-known restaurant quite reputable and i've been several times never had an issue but it rhymes with back knee (laughs) (laughs) the um she sent them an email beforehand saying because they have a set menu saying that like i can't eat can't eat chocolate um detailing the specifics when she went in they acknowledged it when she came in she sat down and then and then when it got to desserts they served two dishes with chocolate um one was like an extra one because it was their anniversary and 
um, <laughs> when the waiter put it down, he goes, oh, maybe just you can just eat around this bit. And it, it was like there was a big thing of chocolate in the middle of the plate. And she was like, is he, is he serious? And then when the extra dish came out, he put it down. It was a share thing. And he looked at my brother and goes, oh, guess only you can eat this one. And and walked off. And the kitchen, I later found out, didn't even no. know that there was somebody in the restaurant that yeah. couldn't eat chocolate. And it's almost as if the... Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If the waiter just made a call like, oh, shoot, that's a stupid allergy. No mm. one's allergic to that that you know and just decided not to tell anyone and it's stuff like that that if people come in and just say oh i can't eat this but they actually can when somebody actually you know i mean it ruined their entire experience to get to dessert and be like just eat around it it's like Mm. um yeah fake problem probably (laughs) make me really sick like it just you know it just thinks it's stupid and like it goes on us too but like you look at the the dockets that pat posted and when it literally every single dish needs to be altered in some way and i'm sure there's a hell of a lot of dishes on that menu that wouldn't have needed to be altered you know and the same with acme like if you have it like at any restaurant if you have a dietary come in and if things are made clear to you these things are straight up good you don't have to worry about them you can eat those dishes as they are and then you decide not to order any of those dishes. Like we have people that come in with nut allergies and order the one pasta that has nuts in it. <laughs> and say, can you... There's six other things <laughs> that you can have already that don't need any change to them. And it's, you know, the dish is thought out by the chef as a balance of flavors, textures, etc., etc. So when you take something away, the dish isn't as good as it's going to be. You know, just think about it. And then... That slows down service for everybody, especially in a restaurant. That's a Chinese restaurant. Everything's going out to share. So the, the menu and the kitchen is designed like that to send food in that order. So when they have to stop and cook one dish and one dish and one dish and change everything in those dishes, it slows down service for the entire restaurant. So you're not only affecting your experience, you're affecting everybody else as well. Do you Have you ever heard of this happening or do you think maybe this is too extreme, but... Just saying, no, we don't We don't alter our dishes unless you give us notice in advance. Yeah, well, Chang used to do that at Momofuku. Right. He was, like, notorious for it, and he's softened since. Lil was, my sous chef, was recently in Europe, and uh, a starred restaurant in Europe had on the menu, um, if you require changes, is a 30 euro fee. Whoa. You know what I mean? Wow. And that's... It's extreme, but I mean, extreme. if they need to do it, they need to yeah, do it. Yeah, but it probably just stops people pulling this kind of shit. Yeah. Like if someone emailed ahead and said, hey, I have this serious allergy, I'm sure it would be no issue for the restaurant. But when people come in and say, if you haven't told us about your allergies or your dietaries and you come in and you say, I need to change this and this, 
30 euro. Well, it's, it's probably, as you said, that chefs, we now design dishes so that they are dietary friendly. So yeah. if they need to change something, it's, it's like because they pick that one pasta on the menu that has nuts when they have other options. And mm. we're, we're not, I don't know, I don't think chefs aren't opposed to, most chefs now aren't opposed to making food for people. We had a, a raw vegan he came into Mark, but they gave us like two weeks' notice, so we didn't eight course. Yeah, exactly. Look, most chefs like menu. the challenge. Like, yeah, we, we can do it. It's, it's just don't be an asshole about it. Yeah, I've I've had the uh, the other end of it as well, where someone had just had an operation, and so had really strict dietary requirements because it had to do with the digestive system and all this kind of thing. And they sent us an email with everything listed out, and we went cool, and we did all this extra stuff and created all this stuff for them and it all came back and said no i just want the steamed vegetable side that's on the on the menu right so we went like above and beyond and still had it thrown back in our face (laughs) like we still fucked up you know what i mean so some you can't please everyone all the time i mean that that, they probably had but they probably had instances where you know they thought everything was going to be good and yeah 100 percent. you know but at at, at least they didn't wait for the food to get sent to your table and then then, yeah. yeah 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 cool um, Lauren, let's talk about your article that you wrote two weeks ago. We talked about it last week with Lee Tran Lam. Um, I always forget the title of the article because they gave it a very funny title. Um, yeah. Former Josephine Pignolet winner returns volley. And this is about your return to tennis. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you're moving <laughs> to Melbourne. My tennis career is back on track. <laughs> um, but uh, it is basically... Um, well, actually, please, I, 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 I hate summarising things. But I know you could do a much better uh, job um, than I. So it started, there was an article in The Age um, a week before I wrote this. Uh, There's a new chief executive of the Restaurant Catering Association and she had seen a picture of the finalists of the Josephine Pignolet Award for this year. And in that picture in the paper, there's only one female, there's only one one female finalist. And um, she was quoted in the article as saying, you know, I saw this picture, there's something wrong with that picture. Um, I think there should be four or five women like in the finalist, like in that photo. Um, and then you know, she went on to say other things and that she she hasn't discussed it with the board yet, but she would like to promote women in the industry. So I think the point of what she was saying was that she wants to see more women actively involved in the industry, which, you know, I I agree with. I I think I made the point that yes it would be a great image to see more women in that photo or in the finals um and you are are you the only female winner of the no, for the last decade I mean yeah 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 for the last yeah quite a long time um and yeah so I basically went on to say that you know we can't we can't put quotas on things like the Josephine Pignolet award because to me that makes it even more unfair um to both men and women who do enter because if you've got women entering and then the finalists, there's five women, it, it sort of then takes on the like, oh, they they only reached the finals because, because they're a girl they're and they needed, needed to make up numbers. And mm. there's already a lot of this like token female in competitions or in panels and stuff. So I think that quotas just encourage that. Um, and so the rest of the article sort of went on to say that we need to approach it from a different different angle and I think the media needs to be a lot more involved in promoting women um, and giving them recognition but but at the same time the right sort of recognition because there's very little um, acknowledgement of female chefs without just recognizing them because they're a female and they happen female, to be a chef five female chefs really bring in their a game yeah, in 2017 10 female chefs that should move to melbourne <laughs> 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 it's, yeah it, it's i mean and delicious magazine have um a new initiative called i think it's hashtag girls on fire it's it's sort of like yes it's a good start um to promote women but even just calling them girls on fire is just making it quite novel and um it's almost as if the the media industry doesn't know how to promote the women or it's like they still want to like they want to be like oh yes we really need to promote women let's let's promote females and then like 
females, females, females everywhere. And there was an article in um, the Sunday Telegraph recently and they wanted female pastry chefs from Sydney. It's not, you know, it's a pretty narrow stream. So um, Specifically Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> there was seven or eight of us and um, after the interview I was talking to the journalist and I just said, you know, when you when you promote us, don't put female in the headline. It We're just chefs like everybody else and like every other chef it doesn't doesn't matter if we're male or female so she was like oh I don't write the headlines but I understand what you mean and then I saw the paper and the headline was like pastry princesses and I was like oh no I was like that's even worse than using the word female and it's just stuff like that that I think needs to change so um, there are a lot of people that uh, well, there were some people that came to me and said, like, we need we need quotas because it's the only way we can break into it. But I think it's a very short-term solution for a greater problem. So, Do you, do you think that's true, though, that we need to have quotas for women to break through? Uh, no. Yeah, I don't think it is I, I, don't, I don't think it is. I think there's already a lot of women in the industry and... Um, a lot of people come out and say like, oh, where are all the women? Why aren't there more women in the industry? And the thing is that we are there and there are probably more women in kitchens all around the world than people actually realise, but they don't get the recognition. And that's that's the biggest problem is not being able to get that recognition because not, not to call the media lazy, but in a way they can be. If they see an article about a chef, a male chef, and then he gets a lot of promotion another paper is going to soon be like, oh, let's use that guy. We've already got a lot of information about him. So then they use that person. So then it just grows from that. And then it's hard for the women to break through, which is why the the girls on fire is good. But I think it's slightly missed the mark, Mm. you know, a little bit. And it's about, there's a lot of groups now. um, There's women in hospitality or there's international groups as well that, uh, gathering places now for women in the industry and I think it's things like that that are going to help because it is encourages women to put themselves out there a lot of the um more so overseas than I think in Australia but a lot of women who head up kitchens overseas find it very difficult to leave the kitchen to go out and self-promote because they've worked so hard it it sounds bad but a lot of the time women have to work harder to get the same level of respect in a kitchen and one of the points I make quite a lot is that um, if a male and a female walk into the kitchen in the same role in a new job, it's automatically assumed that the man can do the job until he proves them wrong and it's automatically assumed that the female can't until she proves she can. So we often have to work really hard to prove that we can do it and then once we're at that point, we can't always afford to leave and go out and self-promote. So it's a really tricky subject but... I suppose I do take a bit of offence to this, this all oh, the picture is wrong thing because of the, the feelings I have towards the Josephine Pinillo Award and that it, it is, you know, it's based on an essay initially and uh, the panel's not looking at the name and going, oh, that's a female, but she can't write an essay, you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> it's, it's based on talent and potential and not gender. So, so, yeah, I mean, I read your article. It's less directed at the industry as a whole. Yeah. It's more directed at, at the way media talks about the mm. industry. Um, did you kind of suggest a way that we that we should move forward with it, or that I think it's um they need to stop asking gender bias questions was one of the points I made. So don't the amount of times I have been asked what it's like to be a female chef, I'm like, do you not? understand how ridiculous that question is what am I going to start by telling you how great it is to be a male chef I don't know I've never been a male chef like you can't it's I've been asked what the the advantages and disadvantages of being a female in the kitchen what am I comparing that to um and things about the the tricky one is asking about uh like if you're going to have kids or having kids when you're a and you're a woman and I'm not opposed to that question because I think a lot of women are probably genuinely interested in knowing how they can do both but ask men the same question like mm. have you Mitch have you ever been asked in any interview nope. what like starting a family how are you going to balance that yep. they just don't ask men that question yep. and they need to they just need to ask it's a it's not about 
women getting more recognition. It's about getting an equal amount of recognition. Yeah. And so you've been asked that question about family stuff in, in interviews? Um, yeah, I've been asked about like the work-life balance. Um, even in, in job interviews in the past, I've been asked in very subtle ways. Sure. Um, you know, what are your plans for the future for, say, the next five years? And how old are you for the ne- in that five yeah. years' time? And stuff mm. like that. I'm like, yeah, right. Okay. Um, and, you know, they... That's pretty rich to even assume that you'd stay in a job for five years in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah, yeah. I, was, I was like, right. Um, <laughs> we want you to make cakes, not babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't even know what I'm going to be doing in like a year. Like, you yeah. can't... Um, but yeah, I think there's a there's a greater issue, and it's questions like that of. I, I guess. Yeah, again, I don't want to use the word lazy, but if more people start writing articles about female chefs because they want to promote talent and not a female, mm. um, I think it'll have a flow-on effect, and I think that'll encourage more women to enter awards which in turn leads to recognition and then it sort of starts this cycle. So yeah, it's not it's not going to be a quick fix a, at all. A like, definite, like a first, a good first step would be like a blanket ban on putting the two words female and chef together. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, your scenario of, you know, a male and a female walking into a job interview, like um, the media would write about that is like, you know, a chef and a female chef walked into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah basically yeah, it's, yeah. It, and it's like when you see the awards, um, the world's best female chef. Yeah. And that always causes a lot of debate um, because it is like, yes, we need the recognition. and But it's also sort of insulting at the same time. It's very insulting yeah. um, because it's like, oh, you can play with the big boys over here. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what, fine, keep that award, but why don't you call the other category best male chef? Mm. That's all that needs to change. There's a lot of language and terminology issues um, in the way they phrase things more so than like what they're actually writing. So you feel it's more uh, a media problem than an actual problem in the industry these days? I think it's a bigger media problem than it is in the industry. I've definitely encountered sexism. I don't think it's specific to hospitality in any way. Hmm. Um, Obviously, that's what I am exposed to. But I mean, even when I won the JP a few years ago, People I didn't even know in kitchens I've never even been into are just coming out and talking to other chefs. Oh, she only won because she's a girl and they wanted they wanted it for yeah. their image and stuff like that. So it, you sort of can't win. You either don't win because you're a girl or when you do win, it's because you're a girl. It's it, like... Um, but, yeah, I think... I think for the general public and I think you need more women in the industry and I think that's a media issue and I that there was probably only one woman finalist because if it's if you look at the numbers of how many men compared to how many women there are in the industry, there's obviously more men and therefore there's going to be more male entrants and therefore like percentage-wise you're going to have more finalists. So it comes back to the correct promotion, will encourage more women and that will like flow on to allow more to enter and then okay, maybe the picture will change and you'll have four women in there. Yeah, are there any um, elements of the food industry or, or or like all the or food media that you think could use better representation? Um, representation of, of women. Yeah. Um, in Australia, I I think we're generally trying pretty hard, mm-hmm. um, or at least what I've encouraged. But yeah, I I definitely think it's a language sure. that needs to change. Um, there's. There's a push that if women are asked to be on panels or like give speeches and stuff like that to make sure that you're not the only female. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so there's it, no tokenism. Yeah, no tokenism, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, oh, we we need a we need a woman for this, but I can't find any. You were the only one I could find. It's like, well, that's completely <laughs> ridiculous because there are so many. Um, so it's a bit of yeah just need more exposure and the right kind of exposure. Yeah, I will say from from our end with this podcast, like I remember the first time you ever came on, mm. you actually made a joke about, oh, I'm the one woman again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we were definitely, when we, when we try to have six members, including ourselves on those first, it was always, you know, five guys and a girl. Yeah. I, I, I like it's on, that's on me to make the, like, mm. you know, not, without using the word quota, that's on us to always 
you know, not it, the, it, it's easy for us to fill mm. it out with guys to always have guys on. It's a little bit more difficult, you know, and and we get more no's from from women yeah, in the food industry. Like, that's I, like else I a guy say. has never ever said no, I can't yep. do the mission, but we have got lots of lots of women that we love in the food industry that have said no because they're not comfortable with you know talking about food or mm-hmm. they'd rather just not which is totally valid yeah. but I just I, <laughs> they I, just don't want to come on your show oh, so. yeah, yeah, they fucking hate it. <laughs> fuck you guys <laughs> um, yeah. yeah I think this is this isn't me asking for a, a solution to my problem no well here. I think what you guys doing that you always try to have one or two females on the show but you don't make it an active point like this is our female on the show like yeah but it is in your mind that you need to, I'm imagining, have a difference of opinion. Yeah. And you, you get a broader range of it's, it's opinions a, it's a by having a show when, right? when people argue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you get a different viewpoint and um, that that's a really good thing that you guys do. But I think when it comes to the women saying no, that's a real problem from our end, but the f- female side as well. Um, we don't like to put ourselves out there and I don't know if it I think it's a combination of factors I think it's the thing where they feel like they can't leave the workplace where um, they feel like self-promotion isn't seen as part of their job or they feel like they'll be seen as you know having a large ego or look how great I am out here saying how great I am that sort of thing. I don't have an issue doing any of that for myself. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I think I think it's I think just that's a, the difference. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think men in general that, are that, more comfortable doing it. That than ego women and that it's easy for men to be out oh, and self promote. Exactly. We, we, we've, we've been, we've been taught where we've been taught yeah. that there's never any consequences to that. Yeah. No, whereas, and we're yeah. we're always taught to um, be a lady or be a lady or whatever, and yeah. you know be a little bit more quiet and, and reserved. And so that's obviously a massive societal issue that I don't think necessarily hospitality will solve. Yeah. Um, but that, but that is part of it, and that's why I think this media recognition will help with that because mm. it'll, it'll allow other females to see what can be achieved, and I think that's really important. Um, I, I probably wouldn't have entered the JP award if I hadn't been pushed a little bit. Um, Mark came to me and said, "Oh, are you entering?" And I was like, "Oh." I might, I might do it next year. This is after I've already been at home, like, thinking of titles for my essay. <laughs> um, but then there was just this, when I was asked, oh, sorry, are you going to do it? I was like, oh, you know what, maybe, you know, maybe I'll just do it next year. Maybe next time it'll be my time. And he's like, no, you're writing it, you're entering, you have no valid reason not to, and then, and then that was it, so I had to do it. Um, but it's just something that we don't naturally self-promote and that's something more of us need to do i um i was talking to a publisher um a food service magazine had a lunch with her and a group of women who are doing a um women in food service talk in september and food service magazine has a new award women in food service awards (laughs) um four different categories and it's all hospitality not just chefs and i asked her oh it was just after the article had come out and i said oh did you do you have many applications for the awards because I feel like Josephine Pignolet didn't have many women I know last year the um the age young chef didn't have any female applicants at all and she said that they have been inundated with applications like they have so many to filter through they don't know how they're gonna find the time to do it which I found really interesting Mm. that did you did you find out what the split between like front of house and back of house was um no, I didn't. I don't know how many chefs compared to front of house, but I think there's like a wine award, a restaurateur award, and even like a just a general business award. So the they might even not like be the, a face. The Lexus Young Chef. I'm not sure what that is. Um, but I I wondered if that response was because it is specifically for women. It's mm. for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we're like, oh, this is our time in our little box over here. <laughs> um, and all of these other awards are just for chefs, not yeah. for female chefs. And that's why I think it's a much bigger issue than just who's entering awards. It's about f- finding really long-term ways to encourage women to do so. Mm. Yeah, well, thanks for writing the article and for coming in and talking about it. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was a very well-written article. Oh, thank yeah. you. <laughs> Um, except for that title (laughs) yeah no but it it put a lot of things that people 
women in the industry have said to me, it made them very clear, mm. very very eloquently, and verbalised it in a way that even after hearing them say exactly that to me, I could never re-verbalise it and make it clear for somebody else. But that article, like, really nailed it. Thanks. Thank um, you. you should make it like a requirement now that all articles you write have to have a tennis <laughs> reference. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day my dream will come true. Lauren serves up <laughs> another backhand. Uh, <laughs> Lauren faults again. Yes. <laughs> it's love all. <laughs> I'm gonna write all Lauren this down. Lauren Eldridge's hit new TV, hit new food show, Love All. <laughs> Um, thanks so much for coming on again. Thank you for having me on. And um, all the best for the move and uh, the new the new job. That's Thank all you. super exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where can people catch you online? Um, Instagram, I think it's lauren.eldridge. And then my Twitter handle, which I very rarely use, is lauren underscore eldridge. You can find uh, Mitch online at Instakrill, at Krillin on the Run on Twitter. I'm at Levdog, L-E-V-D-O-W-G on all things. And you can find us at uh, facebook.com slash the Mitchin or the Mitchin podcast at gmail.com if you'd like to send us an email, especially if you find a fuck burger in the wild <laughs> that you want to bring us attention to. Um, Lauren, all that's left for you to do is to pick a song for us to end the show on. Uh, can I just put one of my all time favorites on? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Dilemma by Kelly Rowland. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this one of your all-time favorites? I don't know. It's I when I was what younger and still now I listen to mostly heavy metal, but that song just gets me every time. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the song that you listened. Were you, were you still in high school when that came out? Uh, yeah, early or if yeah, you, yeah. yeah. If, if that right. If yeah, that, sure. yeah. yeah, I forget you're much younger than us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this is great. Dilemma by Dang Kelly right. Rowland yeah. taking us out. Thanks so much for listening to Mitch, and we'll see you again next week. Peace. Thank you.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 